recorded. Srila Gurudev Ki Jai Sri Sadbuch Gauranga Ki Jai Sri Hadinam Sankirtan Ki Jai Sad Goswami Prabhu Ki Jai Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanda You have place there? You can come closer if you want. <clears throat> only to change the places and yes. be the <laughs> So, <clears throat> good evening to all of you. <clears throat> Pranam, and thanks so much for your valuable presence and, and attention. <clears throat> so today we are continuing with our series of lectures on <clears throat> the contribution of the six Goswamis to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Um, let's make some very brief recap of what we were studying today in the morning, and then the idea is today try to unpack a little bit the content of this reset Goswami Astakam that we have been just singing some minutes ago, which basically is a very, in a nutshell, very... Uh, condensed way of speaking about what are the Goswamis about. So, today in the morning, before reaching that, we share some ideas on Srila Rupa Goswami and his <clears throat> his contribution, among many contributions he made, and according to one verse of Chaitanya Charitamrita, Vrindavaniyam Rasagili Vartam, how Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami made this parallel of Brahma being enlightened in the beginning of creation by Krishna, and then Krishna again in the form of Krishna Chaitanya, and like that, enlightening Sri Rupa Goswami while instructing him, empowering him to become uh, many things, the head of the Sampradaya in many ways, the Rasa Acharya, the Avideya Acharya, Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And as we mentioned in the words of Srila Prabhupada, Srila Rupa Goswami's mission has been to establish the feelings, the emotions of Sri Chaitanya Dev in the form of a practice that we can take advantage of. And so that's a very unique notion, how to make a whole discipline out of an emotional, um, overflowing volcanic eruption that we call Sriman Mahaprabhu. <laughs> and in order to do so, of course, and in order to speak what was Mahaprabhu about, what was his experience about, Rupa Goswami, among other things, he depicted a unique conception of God, of the Absolute, in terms of rasa, God as aesthetic experience, God as uh, condensed beauty and surrounded by all those qualities that can engage all our emotional uh, makeup, if you will, in the most perfect and consuming way. And in that context, he also <clears throat> wrote many, many books uh, from the very beginning, describing what's the definition of bhakti for us, Gaudias. Of course, we didn't go into detail for that. That's another retreat in the UK, maybe. You can come to all of you <laughs> with me, and we can speak about Anyavila, Sita, Sunyam, Gan, Karmadhyan, Abhidham, Anukulyana, Krishna, Silana, Bhakti, Uttamana. Only that verse that Sila Rupa Goswami mentions, this is the idea of bhakti for us, Uttam Bhakti, that needs... Uh, some lifetimes of unpacking, and no problem, we, we have no rush, and we have eternity to to try to appreciate his contribution. Also, we mentioned, bes besides all his high ideals and dramatic 
writings and the depiction of, of the Absolute in terms of, of beauty and art and rasa. Srila Rupa Goswami was also a very pragmatic personality which knew how to deal with the times he was living in, with the social sensibilities, with the different currents of thought and culture surrounding the very form of the Gaudiya Sampradaya. And, and very expertly he had this, as we spoke yesterday, very specific and detailed focus, inner, but externally he was able to embrace in, in a universal spirit things like Muslim culture and let's make them part of the architecture of the Govindaji temple, <laughs> ecumenical spirit, while at the same time not losing, not diluting the intensity of his penetration into transcendence. Mm. So we concluded today in the morning with this idea. You know, for us to be Rupa Nugas or followers of Sri Rupa implies also inherit somehow this spirit from him. Not only in, as much as we progress become more and more detailed in our focus, but that specificity has to give place to some form of breadth at the same time. Guru Mahesh will speak in terms of the depth and the breadth of, of Mahaprabhu's dispensation. So the more we advance, the more we should be able to navigate the two waters. Now, not because in the name of being deep, I become totally fundamentalist and sectarian and, and, and I can only speak with those who who are part of my gang, if you will. <laughs> or in the name of breath, I lose sight of the depth of, of the contribution of Sri Chaitanya and the Goswamis. So, basically that's the idea we shared today in the morning, trying to inspire ourselves to be part of Mahaprabhu's mission. We also spoke about what's the mission of Mahaprabhu and how mission can be not only in, in in marble-like terms or in brick-like terms, we have the institution, the heart form of the mission, but also, hmm, he agreed with that, <laughs> but also we have the other form of the mission. What's the mission of Mahaprabhu? The mission of his life, the ideal of his life, the goal he wants to attain, his prayojan, and our mission is assisting him in his mission. And Rupa Goswami is hmm, the one who has, uh, as we mentioned, no? masterminded the mind of his own master, Sriman Mahaprabhu, and established this idea. So that's the most important thing, the ideal, the mission that we have received. Not so much the external form of the mission. The external form of the mission may come and go. Institutions will come and go. So don't, don't I mean, I'm not condemning institutions from tip to toe, but we have to know that there's a relativity to that. But the ideal is, 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 is what gives life to the institution. Without the ideal, what's an institution? Again, a bunch of bricks and marble that we should sell in order to print more books, as Prabhupada will say. So, in some particular time, one institution may present a contribution, in another time, there's some other necessity, there's a complement, and whatever. I mean, some institution may not work at certain time, but the ideal has to keep moving. The ideal has to keep evolving, no matter which is the packaging it will be delivered through. Mm-hmm. So that's what Krishna says in the Gita. Sometimes the current gets uh, how do you say? Like stucked. Stucked? The current gets stuck? Was it the technical term for the water being stuck in one place? Okay. Okay. When the water does not flow <laughs> no? 
We, should, we shouldn't be attached, no? This, the flow, water should flow in this way, in this particular current, under the name of this particular river. Let the current flow however it has to flow. But then let, let the current keep, let keep the current alive and flowing. So that's what Parampara is about. So again, at least you have to help him in culture. Put, put on the back, I take here. I already know because all these days I have been having the same problem. <laughs> so yeah, you have to put long there and short there. That will work. <laughs> so yeah, future of, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism is not necessarily limited to one particular single group or institution that has to do everything for the whole world and the whole Gaudiya Vaishnavas in, 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 in all the planetary system or something. But Maybe in time there may be less groups. Maybe in time may, there may be smaller groups or less institutions, but more substance in the idea. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not entering into prophecies mode. But the point is that can happen, and we should be willing to to take whatever requires for the ideal to become hmm, continue and developing. There is some constant unfolding of the ideal of the mission of Mahaprabhu. Sila Maharaj. Today, someone was asking me which is one of the favorite things that Srila Sirmara say that I like the most, because they want me to speak about that in the UK or something. <laughs> so I was thinking, and I didn't have to think too much, because there's one quote that I always like too much. Uh, that is like, I don't know, words. So Srila Sirmara will say, and correct me if I'm pronouncing that wrongly in, in English, but he's saying, we are a means to our ideal. That's grammatically correct? Okay. So that's what we are. If you ask who you are, I'm a means to my, for my ideal. No, I, my ideal has to trespass me, like penetrate me, and, and I have just to be instrumental in that to happen. Whatever form it takes, again, the, the, the all important thing is that the ideal may possess me and puppet, puppeteer me, <laughs> make me a puppet. <laughs> He's gone and keep flowing through whatever direction, through whatever people has to flow. So that's the the perfection of I will say of self surrender to offer our individuality in a tasteful way. <clears throat> so the ideal may choose to reveal itself and pass itself through us and continue its flow whenever it has to converge, if you will. <laughs> so as we spoke today in the morning, the Goswami's books represent a form of trying to give shape. To, to the mission of Mahaprabhu, to the desire of Mahaprabhu, to the ideal of Mahaprabhu, <clears throat> a soft institutionalization of the, the ecstasy of Sri Chaitanya Dev. <clears throat> and in time, that in soft institutionalization that began with some books became harder and harder, harder in the good sense of the term, a more concrete form. Some buildings were there, 64 mats, Gaudiya mat, 108 temples, Srila Prabhupada, and now, well, we have so many things in so many directions, which is great. I mean, it's part of what Mahaprabhu was predicting. But again, sometimes the necessity of the flow may take so many different ways. That, because sometimes we may get, this, like, how to say, like attached to idealize. Ideally, this should take, for Mahaprabhu's mission to be successful, this should be happening. You know? There should be this much more number of temples, this much more number of in quantity, we may think. But sometimes maybe there's another necessity. And um, there may be some other types of adjustment. We will take our attention and time in the direction of, 
of quality over quantity. Sometimes that can happen. I remember Bhaktivala Tirtha Maharaj once he said, if you want quantity, quality, generally you have to sacrifice quantity. Mm-hmm. If, you want quantity if you want quantity, generally you have to sacrifice quality. So you choose. <laughs> no? I'm not saying black and white. Sometimes there's one thing and the other, but there are different proportions of that as well. Mm-hmm. I will say nowadays we are the, the whole Gaudiya Sampradaya and Gaudiya community. So it's, it's in a moment where it's a good moment to go back to the books of the Goswamis, if you will, to, to become aware of, of the foundation of our Sampradaya. Now, after some generations of Vaishnavas around the world, it's a good moment, as we were speaking with Lal Chandra recently. Like the, 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 best, the best preaching strategy for nowadays is no more preaching strategies. <laughs> and let's go to know the, the ultimate conclusions of our Sampradaya, the Siddhanta was established by the six Kusans and so on. So that's an important thing to do. So somehow we are trying to promote that through these meetings amongst the members of different Sanghas so you can extend the epidemics wherever you may go. <laughs> so. Today we wanted to share some thoughts. I'm realizing that I've started like 15 minutes later, so I hope Brigopat will change his mudra for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to do like this because you are the one successful. <laughs> so <coughs> the idea again is to share some <coughs> some brief thoughts on the Sri Sat Goswami Astagam we just sang, brief ones because again there's a lot to unpack there. So with your permission, I will briefly go through each one of the verses and we will try to connect some of the contribution of the Goswamis in connection to, to that. And, and, and also you will know the meaning of the song we are singing because maybe most of you cannot fully follow the Sanskrit, so it's a good way to, to go there. <clears throat> so Sri Sat Goswami Astakam is an, an Astakam, a composition of eight uh, Sanskrit verses. Sometimes they have a ninth one with... Nasirbat, Falashruti, Nasirbat Shloka. In this case, there are only eight. This is composed by Srinivasa Charja, who is one of the main followers of the Goswamis, who was like really the main one instrumental in the distribution of the books of the Goswamis, what we may call the first traveling Sankirtan party, no? with Narutam and Srinivas and Yamananda. Very, and I, I mean, that's another series of lectures in, in itself. So he composed this Sad Goswami Astakan, which very, very beautifully uh, narrate and describe the contribution of them. So I will go through the verses quickly. I will go directly to the English and may highlight some of the Sanskrit terms. All of the verses end with the same line as is classical with the Astakams, Bandarupa, Sanatana, Raguju, Sri Jiva, Gopalako, which means I offer my Bandanam, my prayers, my pranam to Rupa, Sanatana. Ragu, Jugo, Sri Jiva, Gopalako, which means basically mm-hmm. the two Ragus, the two Ragunats, Kopalbata, mm-hmm. Jiva Goswami, Rupa, Sanata, the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. So, I'll read the translation in, in English of, of each verse and we'll say some words in that. So, the first verse mm-hmm. says, I worship the six Goswamis, Rupa, Sanatan, Ragunat Das, Ragunat Bata, Sri Jiva, and Gopalbata. The last line, generally, when translating, goes to the first place. <laughs> they are always engaged in chanting the holy name of Krishna and dancing. They are just like the ocean of love of God. And they are popular both with the gentle and with the ruffians, 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 because they are not envious of anyone. 
whatever they do, they are all pleasing to everyone. And they are fully blessed by Lord Chaitanya. Thus, they are engaged in missionary activities meant to deliver all the conditioned souls in the material universe. So this is the first verse, which very beautifully depicts uh, the achar of the Goswamis, Krishna Kirtana. To begin with, the first two words are Krishna Kirtana. So that's what the Goswamis are about. Krishna Kirtana Gana Nartana Paru Pimamritam Bodhi. So <clears throat> they're engaged in chanting and dancing. Chanting and dancing. And of course, as we know, they're dancing. It's uh, not just like, okay, let's, let's like, rehearse, make rehearsal of some choreography and we will dance. But their dancing is satvik kebab. No? It's like a natural expression of their inner ecstasy. Dancing is one of them. You can dance, I mean, out of ecstasy and you can dance without that much ecstasy. It's okay, you can dance, no problem. <laughs> we have to begin somewhere. But the dancing of the Goswami was not at all like, okay, now arms here and our arms there, but <laughs> just like nobody knew what, what, what would happen. As my Guru Maharaj will say, you know, generally we hear Haridas Thakur sang three lakhs per day, which is basically 192 rounds. Hmm? Scary, right? <laughs> but we never hear how many rounds Rupa Goswami chanted, because it is said that generally he started chanting and maybe after half sea level he passed out immediately, and collapsed, you know, rolling in the ground, and no more rounds per day. So if you find meet Rupa Goswami, please do not ask him how many rounds he chanted today. <laughs> that half half a sea level of the name is much worthy of all the rounds I have chanted till today. <laughs> so again, it's not about. Hmm? necessarily quantity, but quality. <laughs> so, they are described as Dira, Dira, Jana, Priyo. So, they are dear, they are Priya to Dira and to Adira, to the sober and to the unsober, you see? Okay. Or to the gentle and the ruffian. So, you can imagine, one thing is, I mean, you are dear to the, to the nice people. Okay, they are nice, so they like you. <laughs> but they are dear to everyone. To the less virtuous, to the more virtuous, it is said that they were a notion of mercy to everyone. And one important point there, the one important word for us that qualifies further this situation is why they are so dear for them? Nirmatsaru. Nirmatsaru, which the Bhagavatam says similarly. Dharma Prayuta Kaita Gotra Paramo. Nirmatsaranam. So Nirmatsaranam means they are non envious. So just by being non-ambious, I mean just, like if it's something easy, you know. <laughs> but if you get to be non-ambious, basically you become a friend of everyone. That, that's the whole idea. I mean, envy is that thing that gets in the way of real friendship, real universal friendship. So a non-ambious person, in brief words, has no enemies. So he's dear, they are dear to Dira and Adira, because they are not making this distinction, basically, due to being non-envious. They are just seeing in a very generous way, as my Guru Master will say, only the potential of every jiva. Mm. Even the worst possible Jagaya Madai you can imagine, he's called Swami Padmanabha, just in case, <laughs> they will see such a ruffian only in terms of his or her potential. Mm. My Guru Master will say, Mahaprabhu and the Goswami by extension, they are not judging us by who we were in the past, what we did. 
Thank God. And they are not judging us for who we are in the present. Thank God. <laughs> Two times and three times and more. But they are judging, quote-unquote, considering us according to who, to who we can be, to what's our potential. They are only seeing us in terms of our brightest future. That's another of my favorite quotes of Shilasidhar Maharaj. He will say, your future is brilliant. <laughs> Period. If it comes from the mouth of someone like Shilasidhar Maharaj, well, he really feels that, and if he really feels that, hopefully you really feel that, <laughs> because he's saying that to all of us, your future is brilliant. No matter how many, how cloudy is today's sky <laughs> over your head, <laughs> your future is brilliant. Try to, to have a glimpse of, of the dispensation that has knocked on your door in this lifetime. I mean, I mean it's, it's overwhelming. Just to think about that. So that's a good exercise. Every time some cloud appears in our... Anishtita Bhajana Kriya schedule. <laughs> Remember Srila Samra saying to speaking to your ear, your future is brilliant. <laughs> Even today. Especially today. <laughs> and not lose sight of that. Because that's the whole problem. We lose sight of our the the, future, the potential, brilliant potential that's waiting for us. And we get discouraged and we get depressed and so on. Philosopher, very famous philosopher in Argentina, he used to say, you are not depressed, you are distracted. <laughs> no? like when you feel I'm depressed, it means <clears throat> you are paying too much attention in the wrong direction, that's all. No? You are too much obsessed to, with distraction, but if you pay attention in the proper direction, oh, the future is brilliant, the brilliant, the, the brilliant horizon is still there. So, did it say here, whatever they were doing was pleasing to everyone because Nirmatsaru, they were free from envy. So the Bhagavatam basically makes this idea of Nirmatsaranam as synonym with being a sadhu because it says Nirmatsaranam Satam. So Satam means sadhu. You want to be a sadhu, that's almost like synonymous with being non envious. <laughs> that's an important thing to, like yardstick, you say? Where's my sadness? Where's my non-enviousness? No? And that goes hand by hand, basically. Sri Chaitanya Paraku. So, Sri Chaitanya Kripabharo is here. <clears throat> so they are fully mm, kripasized by Mahaprabhu. <laughs> they are fully, no? they have received the full mercy of Sri Chaitanya, in other words. They are empowered by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in a special way. These six personalities represent a special empowerment of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The six Goswamis, we could say, are six forms of Mahaprabhu's empowerment, basically. It's Mahaprabhu himself acting through them, through particular type of empowerment. <clears throat> and in this way, it is said here, therefore they can establish in the world Paraupakar, greatest charity, greatest... Um, What's the word? Welfare work, the welfare work, greatest welfare work possibly. Like Mahaprabhu say, Buridha, Tabakatamritam Taptujivan. They are spreading this current of Harikata, which is the greatest possible charity the world could know. So Mahaprabhu empowered them, as we mentioned, each one of the Goswamis. Sometimes Rupa Goswami is briefly mentioned. He's the Rasacharya, he's the Abhideya Acharya. Sanatan Goswami is the Sambanda Tattu Acharya, and we could say the 
the Mariad Acharya, the Acharya of Vaishnava etiquette. You know, he wrote, as we will see maybe tomorrow, Hari Bhakti Vilas. Rigupad has to give that lecture, not me. <laughs> Raghunath Das Goswami, he was special in power as the Prayojan Tattvacharya, delving deeply into Radha Dasyan, the ultimate reach of the Gaudiya Sampradaya. Hmm? Gopal Bhatt, as we mentioned, he was special in power as the Diksha Guru of the Sampradaya. And Jiva Goswami, as we will speak tomorrow, he was the Tattvacharya of the Gaudiya Sampradaya, the theologian par excellence. Hmm? And Raghunath Bhatta Goswami was the cooker, cook of the Sampradaya, and the Bhagavat reader, and the anonymous personality. <laughs> Someone has to do that as well. So all of them were fully empowered by Sri Chaitanya. Let's go to the second verse, <clears throat> which focuses on the, on the connection with Shastra to begin with. They are very expert in studying all the revealed scriptures with the aim of establishing eternal religious principles for the benefit of all human beings. Thus, they are honored all over the three worlds, and they are worth taking shelter of, because they are absorbed in, transcend in the transcendental loving service of the lotus feet of Radha Krishna. Radha Krishna Padara Binda Bhajanandina Matalik. So, this is an important point here also. The Goswamis being Nana Shastra Vichara Naika Nipuno. They are Shastra Nipun. Srila Rupa Goswami himself uses this expression. Shastra Nipun means like scriptural genius. Someone who really uh, not only has great intellectual capacity, but has great intuition to 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 see how how actually all the revealed texts are converging in a particular direction that's not an easy task to do <laughs> you can imagine especially when you speak about i mean with any religious text but what to speak about the vedas and the jungle of sounds the trilasilas maras will say so many direct directions in the different scriptures and chapters and puranas rajasic tamasic sattvic puranas and Itihasa, Ambedanta, Ambeda, only with the Bhagavatam you have a good deal, of a, a nice headache to deal with. <laughs> but the Goswamis in their script, they studied Saddarshan, for example, the six philosophical systems in India. Not only they studied their own tradition, I mean, they established a tradition, but in order to establish Gaudiya Vaishnavism, in order to themselves writing their own Shastra, which are our foundational Shastras, they went to all these different other traditions, Nyaya, Vaisesika, Karma Mimamsa, Yoga, Vedanta, and they used all the arguments and they dealt with the prevalent opposing currents of thought of the time, and they established Gaudiya Sampradaya in a very Stunanikanana Nyaya, by, by following this, how is it in English? Pounding the post principle, the maxim of pounding the post, which means, which doesn't mean I will just repeat the same thing over and over again until I make you crazy and you surrender to me. <laughs> no, because sometimes we understand that pounding the post means I will say Harinam, 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 that's also useful. No? When you say something three times, you will say, oh, why Maharaj is repeating the same thing over and over again. But Stuna Nikanana Nyaya means mostly I will present a point. And I will address all the opposing arguments to that point, all the prevalent currents of view that go against my point. I will address them, deal with them, defeat them, if you will, 
and then reestablish my point with much more power after having n nourished myself from the enemy, if you will. Quote unquote, no, there are no enemies again. <laughs> like the example given. No? Sometimes the lion is walking and the elephant attacks, and the lion kills the elephant and nourishes himself from the from the flesh of the elephant. No? <laughs> Something like this. So the obstacles eventually give further power to one's point. So the Goswami did that expertly. I mean, if you really study in detail the Sandharvas of Jiva Goswami or many other of, his, of the books, they are really taking the time to... I mean, they really know in detail all the other currents of thought. So that's an important point that our chairs also say. Of course, it's, all, it's enough, it's quite, enough, it's quite complex to, to become an expert in your own tradition. <laughs> but at least if you want to establish a Sampradaya, at least if you want to be a guru, for certain people at least, who wants to really perform a certain function, they have to be familiar with other currents of thought, especially with those who are prevalent in, in the time one is dealing with. No? That's what the, their definition of Guru in the Bhagavatam, Shabdi, Pari, Nishnatam. So the Guru should be Shabdi, Nishnatam, Ampari, Nishnatam. So Nishnatam means, uh, how is it in English? Like drenched. 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 <laughs> Thank you. So the Guru should be drenched into Shabde and Pari. So Pari, Shabde means the knowledge of, of, the, of scripture, theoretical knowledge of scripture. The Guru should be drenched in that. That means Nipuna, Shastra Nipuna. And Pari should have para, should have realization of that theoretical knowledge as well. To walk the talk, basically, to, for his discourse, her discourse, to have real power. Abhishwana Chakravarta comments in this famous verse. To be expert in scripture also means not only devotional scriptures, but other books as well. So that's an important point that my Guru Master likes to emphasize. Sometimes the Guru has to be familiar, familiar with current, like present currents of thought, which may have nothing to do with Gaudiya Vaishnavism, but which are the prevalent ways of dealing with reality. And if you want to speak to the world, you have to somehow be familiar with that, to speak a similar language, to give proper examples and so on. So the Goswamis were, and when I say the Goswamis were expert in that, somehow means we should become expert in that as much as we want to represent them. If you tell me I don't want to represent the Goswami, okay, that's your idea, but if you want to represent them, <laughs> that has some implication. And of course there are levels of representation, but we have to understand they were willing to do this. So they established the ultimate essence of Shastra and show how all Shastra converged in one point, like the Vedanta said. You have to understand all this jungle of Vedic sounds in context. It seems that it's totally like pointing in hundreds of directions, but by proper understanding of it, it goes in one single direction. It all converges in this one point or, or these two syllables as we will say, like to say Krishna, Krishna, all this jungle of sounds are finding final shelter there and therefore they are totally honored by everyone by mercy here all this trouble that they took, if you will studying all these books and writing all these books, I mean that's I mean when you read the books of the Goswami, one of the things you will 
think is this takes time. I mean, this is not just because sometimes we will think, oh, no, they just sat and opened the. Oh no, well, there were no books at the time. <laughs> they took the palm leaves or whatever and full samadhi. Back to our Samrita Sindhu. Ujjwal Nilamani. Satsandarva. It doesn't work like that. I mean, there is work, effort, edi- edition, transl- no correction of the text. It's not that just trans samadhi. Because sometimes we, we idealize it. Okay, they are need to see this. That means they just press the button and the book was there or something. <laughs> no, revelation came and there was no effort required. And it's not like that. There is there is a lot of things that we, we have to appreciate. So. So they did that with full compassion. That's the thing in this Varloka Namhitakar, you know. They really were driven by universal compassion. Because again, they are representing the very personality of compassion of Darius, Sriman Mahaprabhu, Mahavadanya Avatar. And therefore, Tribhuvane Manya Saranya Karo. They are the worthy shelter for the three worlds. You can imagine. I mean, these six village girls in Braj appearing <laughs> as, as Goswamis, they have the potential to to shelter the whole creation. One may say, oh, that's Puspita Bhachana, that's flowery words and that's poetry. And, but they have that capacity in potential. They have that capacity because they have that compassion. Have compassion means I have the willingness to host you, I mean, to receive your condition and... <laughs> And deliver you basically with the highest type of blessing. <coughs> so, third verse. <coughs> Hopefully, we'll reach the eighth. Mandarupa Sanatanara Gujugosri Jiva Gopalako. These Goswamis that I worship, they are very expert in the description of Sri Chaitanya's divine qualities. <clears throat> they are endowed with the wealth of faith and can purify all, condition, all conditioned souls from the reactions of their sins with transcendental songs about Govinda. As such, they are very expert in increasing the limits of the ocean of transcendental bliss and they save all the living entities from the devouring mouth of liberation. <laughs> so very nice. Here it is saying... <clears throat> they are very expert. Sri Guranga Nabido. Expert in describing the qualities of Mahaprabhu and we say as we say the other day. But they are not speaking about Mahaprabhu <laughs> too much. <laughs> so in which way they are very expert in doing that? So what's the, their expertise is they are mostly describing the attributes of Sri Siddhartha and Krishna in such a way that you will start to wonder, where is Mahaprabhu? <laughs> <laughs> they are taking you yourself by the hand, to you yourself start to make the question yourself. And they are not asking you, where is Mahaprabhu? They speak about Radha and Krishna in such a way that you ask yourself, where is Mahaprabhu? <clears throat> Which was the, system, the name of the system that Socrates had in Greece? That they take the person to re- to reach their own themselves. Mayotic system. Mayotic, yeah, thank you. So it's it's a form of mayotic in this way, no? Like they are not saying Mahaprabhu and this and this is Mahaprabhu, but they are speaking of Radha and Krishna, some Parokshabad, some indirect description in such a way, in such a way that you. And where is Goranga? There has to be a Gorlila. It cannot end like this. As my Guru Maharaj will say, boldly. 
without Gaurlila, Krishna Lila is a failure. <laughs> because Krishna himself is feeling there is something lacking here. I need a whole new Lila in order to fulfill this desire that came in the height of Krishna Lila. So, again, the Goswamis are describing expertly the qualities of Mahaprabhu. Expertly, in this case, means indirectly, suggest in a suggested way. In such a way that we ourselves will reach that conclusion naturally. That's, that's a point we'll have to reach someday, and we have to pray for that realization. That realization we will realize really between Mahaprabhu and Krishna, there is no difference. The diversity is there, but the unity is foundational to that diversity as well. Shraddha Samridhi and Vitor. They are endowed with divine faith, with divine trust and conviction. And therefore, Papa Tapa Nikrintano. They can purify all conditioned souls. Tano Britam Gubinda Ganam Britai. They are purifying all of them through what? Through Gubinda Gana, to the nectar of. Amrita, to the nectar of songs about Govinda. So they are delivering so many compositions, so many slokas, stotrams, stavamalans, tavavali, and so on. So many songs. They are... I mean, if you analyze all the contribution of the Goswami, one of the main contributions were so many poetry they gave, so much song were there. And we can be delivered by all sins through singing. That's basically our process. And of course it doesn't end there. No, the whole goal of singing and this divine gun and these divine songs is not just being free from sin, but anandam buddhi bardhanaikanipuna. There's like some paraphrasing of Sukhastakan here. Anandam buddhi bardhanam. So they themselves are the personification of this. Anandam buddhi bardhanaika again, nipuna. Nipuna meant, meant what? Remember? Expert. Yeah, expert genius, something very, someone very capable of Ananda Bodhibardhanaika, of increasing the the tidal waves of Ananda, basically. Of the ocean of Ananda starts to overflow by their churning, basically. They are very expert in that through their own song, through their own presentation. Kaibalyan is Just in case. <laughs> They are saving you from Sayuja Mukti. We have to mention that as gold, yes. <laughs> Somehow or other. Kaibalya They are really, again, throwing us in, in another way into an ocean of personhood, basically, of individuality in the context of loving devotion. Therefore, we offer our pranam to the six Goswamis. Fourth verse I worship them, the six Goswamis. Whom renou- who renounced all association of aristocracy. Another important point. In order to deliver the poor conditioned souls, they accepted loincloths, treating themselves as mendicants, but they are always merged in the ecstatic ocean of the gopis' love for Krishna and bathe repeatedly in the ways of that ocean. So, <clears throat> as we know, most of the Goswamis were living very, materially speaking, opulent life, aristocratic background. Even those who were not of high birth, like Raghunath Das Goswami, in con- the consideration of Barnashram, he was living like a deva, basically, like in, in a palace and a very aristocratic, opulent family. So, all of them, because again, 
one thing is to become a Babaji and go to Vrindavan uh, out of frustration because you never were successful in material life. <laughs> no? I mean, that's relatively easy. Another thing is you become a Goswami being an aristocrat, aristocratic fellow, millionaire. You follow. I mean, if I tell you I'm living under a tree, why? Because I don't have money to buy a house. That's one thing. But another thing is I have 3,000 houses, but I chose to live under a tree. That's like, wow. The next question is why? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> why that detachment? No, well, of course, Mahaprabhu loves loves detachment in a in a particular way. Mahaprabhu bhakta ganet bhaira gya pradam jahadhi krishna hoy gaura bhagavan sadhisitani charitamrita. Mahaprabhu is very keen to vairagya in his in their but the the vairagya of Mahaprabhu's devotees, the renunciation of Mahaprabhu's devotees, comes as a natural byproduct of. Raga. Bhairagya means a special type by of Raga. Bhairagya. Vishista Raga. Special type of attachment that's called in Sanskrit detachment. <laughs> now, over and over again we have this type of ideas like Biraha. Biraha generally we translate separation. But Biraha also can mean a special type of union. <laughs> we call union and separation. So detachment actually for us means a special type of attachment that naturally takes you to exhibit some form of detachment in, in, in other direction. Hmm? So this was the standard of the Goswamis. Karunaya kaupina kanta shritu. So they themselves wore themselves with loincloth, a coping. That was their main hmm, cloth. They slept here and there without fixed residence, basically, and show an extreme bhairagya. But again, not bhairagya for bhairagya's sake, but they were burning with attachment, passionate, sacred, passionate love for Krishna. <clears throat> and that's the next line. When they speak about the Bhairag, and then comes Gopi Bhava Rasamritabdi Lahari Kalola Magna Muhur. Why they were such a renunciance? Because they were thrown diving into the ocean of Gopi Bhava. They were burning with lowliam, with transcendental greed. And that took them to. I mean, show natural indifference for the world. They were not even aware of that. that that's the real idea of that. For us as bhaktas, our bhairagya is just like, should be a natural byproduct of, of our raga, of our attachment. Like, for example, I always say to the devotees, if you are in Krishna Janmashtami, and generally we fast till midnight, but you, are, you don't have the capacity to absorb yourself in, in, in all the things that you should be absorbed on that day, and the whole day you are mostly watching the clock and dreaming about the 108 preparations that will be offered to you at midnight, better you eat something, eat something, and be more focused on what you should be more focused, basically. Because, I mean, I'm not saying that as an excuse to, okay, great, Maharaj is giving blessing for that. <laughs> but the point is, what's the, the very purpose of that? So the idea is, for example, Ikadashi. In Ikadashi there is certain fasting, there are varying degrees of fasting, but ideally the highest degree of fasting is it comes as a natural byproduct of your absorption in what the Kalas is about, which is a positive uh, focus in dedicating yourself to Bhajan that day. To such a point, Silasimrat will say that, oh, I forgot to eat and to drink. And the day passed. Oh, okay, Nirjal. <laughs> That, that, that's the type of nirjal, not so much that every time you see like a glass of water, you, 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 you enter like in Pablov, 
uh, experiment and you start like this <laughs> something like that. No? So that, that was the standard of the Goswamis. Their, their bairagya was not, 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 think, not thinked about. It was just there. They were not even aware of that because they were really immersed in this Gopi Bhava Rasambritabdi, this ocean of Gopi Bhava. Fifth verse. They are always engaged in worshipping Radha and Krishna in the transcendental land of Vrindavan, where there are beautiful trees full of fruits and flowers which have been which have which have under their roots all valuable jewels, and where there are many peacocks, cranes, swans and cuckoos, the Goswamis bestow upon the living entities the ultimate goal of life. And so here is a very nice description of Rajadam, the place where the Goswamis reside both as sadakas, perfected sadakas, and both in their siddhas for rups in Vrindavan. Because as Rupa, Sanatan, and so on, they well were sent to Vrindavan, that's why they are known as the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. There is some reason for that, because they were living there. They were sent them by Mahaprabhu to establish the whole uh, Sampradaya, as we know, our superheroes, and as my gurus will say, for us the main followers of Sri Chaitanya because many of the other associates of Sri Chaitanya Dev are really mm, quite, maybe uh, some of them at least, quite eccentric or <laughs> less orthodox into how to behave as a sadhaka. <clears throat> uh, Ramananda Roy teaching the Devadasis to sing for Jagannath and entering into some contact there <laughs> or whatever. Pundarik Vidyanidhi, the big, how do you say? Hookah. Hookah. Yeah. Pipe, you say in English? No. Water pipe. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, we are not to follow that. There are, from a particular, we need Tananda Prabhu, Dwadasa Gopas uprooting trees and dancing with Bengal tigers and whatever. But the Goswamis were really into showing what the sadhaka ideal sadhaka should be like. So in that sense, they established for us a, 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 an example we can follow. An example we can follow. So, where we are. So, Brindavan described here. So, they are living in Brindavan again. Mahaprabhu asked them, please go to Brindavan. At that time, to say Brindavan was mostly like a, a forest. I mean, Brindavan is a forest. Nowadays, it's more cities than a forest. <laughs> it's Brindapuri more than Brindavan. But <laughs> at that time, it was more like a forest, like a jungle, basically. Practically, there were no temples. There were no certain uh, systematic hmm, approach to bhajan in the context of our Sampradaya. So the Goswamis were there, of course, before Lokanand Goswami was there. Bugarbha Goswami was there. Some of sometimes known as seven, eight Goswamis were there. But the Goswamis were there and Mahaprabhu asked them, establish temples, establish the worship of Takurji there, write books that will delineate the practice of bhakti in our tradition, and show the example, ideal example, to all devotees who follow. <clears throat> so here the description of Vrindavan basically concentrates how this Brajadam is full of Kalpa Brikshas, who would provide all the necessities. And interestingly here it is saying, under the roots of the trees, they are full of valuable jewels. No? Like implying, Daishwari is not explicit there. No? <laughs> no? The, all this Vrindavan has Daishwari as a foundation, but it's not in the fore, forefront, you see? But it's 
on the background underlying, allowing the Madhurya to happen. But the interesting thing, as my Guru Maharaj will say, in Vrindavan there's much more Aishwarya even than in Vaikuntha. Every tree is a Kalpa Briksha, every cow is a Kamadenu, the land is Chintamani. But the most Aishwarya thing, if you will, the greatest opulence there is the love of the Brajabhasis, which take them to not ask anything from all these unlimited sources. They are not asking, oh, the land is Chintamani, I want this, I want this, I want that, I want that. There comes a Kamadenu. Let's milk her. Everything we want. <laughs> oh, Kalpa Briksha. I, we hear there are some valuable jewels. Let's uproot the Kalpa Briksha to find the valuable jewels. Whatever, anything, nothing. They don't want anything. Or maybe they want something. They may want some fruit, some flowers to offer in service to Krishna. But even they, even if they want that, it's not for them. And since it's not for them, they do not even need to ask that to the tree. No. It is said that naturally if they need and they want some flowers, some fruits for offering to Krishna, the trees themselves will give the flowers, give the fruits. So everything is working automatically there. It's flowing automatically. Some problem, Brigupat? Okay. Okay, just in case. <laughs> Few minutes and we are there. So Let's continue. But there is a nice description here of how the Goswamis again, as Goswamis lives in Braj, but eternally, as Manjaris, they also live in Braj. So in, in every sense, they are the Goswamis of Vrindavan. They are of Vrindavan. Sixth verse. They are engaged in chanting the holy names of the Lord and bowing down in a scheduled measurement. Hmm. You emphasize that in your Mana Siksha lecture, I remember. In this way, they utilize their valuable lives and in executing these devotional activities, they conquered over eating and sleeping and were always meek and humble, enchanted by remembering the transcendental qualities of the Lord. <laughs> so, very nicely here, showing again their example as Sadaka, Sankhya Purubhukana. They are chanting a fixed number. Although sometimes they may try, but again, as we mentioned, <laughs> it may not happen, but they are giving that. And especially, Namagana Nativihi. Nativihi means, and I remember, I appreciate Brigupat's point he made in, the, in his Manasiksha um, series, that the offering of obeisances on a daily basis in a particular number of times, unfortunately, in most of the cases, it has been lost in our Gaudiya tradition as part of our daily sadhana. And generally, we have these numbers for, I'll chant this amount of rounds. But we don't have, I will offer this amount of, rever of obeisances per day. Which is, as we can see here, part of the Goswami sadhana. And the Goswamis are the ones who are there of establishing the standard to follow as a sadhaka. So it's never late to go back and bring that back to our practice. At least you can start with one if you want. But, <laughs> you know, but we have to begin somewhere. Now, I remember first time I went to Vrindavan and I see all these sadhus offering, doing Dandavat Parikram to Govardhan. And, and, and this Dandava Parikram, that they will put one Govardhan Shila and go back, same Dandava in the same place, second Shila, and 108 times and one step. So you can be shocked by seeing that, or you can be really like intrigued, like why they're doing that. I mean, what? I mean, clearly nobody's paying them. They don't have a Patreon website. <laughs> and someone is supporting each one of their 108 dandavats per day or something. So what's taking them to take 
that travel because it's not comfort zone, I can tell you. <laughs> and I start to make numbers how much this takes for them to finish the whole parikram because they are circumambulating the whole hill. It's not that, okay, during the day, let's see where I end. No, it's, I have to finish the whole thing. And you know, that will take years probably. And again, this has to do, I mean, we cannot, I'm not saying from tomorrow, we have to start in that on that standard, but this is the same idea. My point is how much insight they must have receiving by doing that. Even though externally it seems just like a mechanical thing, up, down, up, down, up, down for years, something is coming to them. Because if not, they won't be doing that. No, but they are not trying to take your attention. You realize they are really into their own thing. <laughs> I remember, I don't remember the name actually of one Christian author, but it's it's a very interesting book. And he was went to live to the monastery, old Christian monasteries, and he received the service, interesting seva, <laughs> of not to be the, the temple president, let's say, told him, your services, you have to go to the door outside of the monastery and to offer obeisances to every person that crosses your path. That's what you have to do. So he wrote a book after some years of only, only doing that for years about all the realizations that came to him by just doing that. And it's like, wow, and this person is a sage, a mystic. <laughs> and only by doing that, of course, with the proper attitude. But the point is, there is a potential in, in this offering of obeisances. So at least when we do that once a day, hopefully we are not doing that just like, oh yeah, now is the moment of aerobics. No? My head to the ground, and I go down, and I go up and up. Sometimes I see the boat is <laughs> saying like, Jai Banchakalpa. No, Banchakalpa. That's not Banchakalpa. I mean, Banchakalpa means desired tree. What does it mean? Desired tree. <laughs> My point is this very substantial thing, we can make them just like a superficial slogan that has no meaning to us. And that's mostly part of Niyamagraha, that other thing, something that we follow without understanding why we are doing that. And Rupa Goswami said, that will ruin your bhakti. So be careful. <laughs> so they were really engaged in this way, bowing down the scheduled measurement. So that's a very interesting idea. We can we can try it. And in this way, to say they conquered over sleeping and eating. So try to imagine to conquer this very, like how to say, like instinctive human impulses. I mean, conquer sleep. And we were speaking about this these days. How we. It would be interesting to just live two hours per day and we can maximize, hopefully, our daily time. Because someone, we can say that, but when you have six extra hours, you have to know what to do with that also. <laughs> I remember speaking with one devotee recently and he told me, oh, Maharaj, now I'm starting to work three, hour, three less hours per day. So I have three more hours per day. And I was, I, I didn't want if to say great or be careful. No, because it's great if you do that properly, but if not, you can just lose yourself and get more distracted. And so it's, it's not so easy. I mean, you have nothing to do, just practice bhajan. Uh, you have to have certain insight for that. No? <laughs> <clears throat> so the Goswamis were conquering eating and sleeping, and of course the point is all the time and energy that they were not investing in that direction, they were investing more and more in their practice. And interestingly here it says, they were extremely meek and humble. 
Because imagine you conquer, eat and sleep. You can become kind of puffed up. You mm -hmm. can imagine you know, uploading to your Instagram, I've conquered, eat and sleep. And I don't think so. Just by putting that, someone will comment. <laughs> Something else needs to be conquered yet. No? So, <clears throat> this is the, the contrast in the Goswami. They were, con they were totally self-controlled personalities. They were Goswamis. That's the very meaning of Goswami. Do not try to make less of the word. I mean, it strictly means you control your impulses. But you will become Manas, Krodavidana, and so on. Rupa Goswami made that very clear. You want to converse in the last verse of Upadha, Shambhrita, Radha Kun, and so on. Don't gossip first. He says that, the same thing that Mahaprabhu said to Arguna Das Goswami, Gramya Katanasunivi, Gramya Vartana. Yeah, then Braja Lila Manasa Kriv. Yeah, we will in your mind serve Radha and Krishna, but first please, do not be a gossip man, gossip lady. No. And, the, uh, and as much as you still engage in that, you won't be able to engage in this other thing. But they were Swamis were, how say, impeccable in, in, in their self control and impeccable in their humility. Yeah, that's a real definition of humility as Sanatana Goswami mentions, it means when you really have all the good qualities and reasons to be proud, but you are not. <laughs> because again, you can be humble while having nothing. Again, you can, you can wear a coping because you have bad karma financially, and that's relatively easy. But to be an aristocratic person and wear a coping, that's another thing. To have all qualities and be meek and humble, that's another thing. So they had all this. Satgoswan Prabhu Kijai. Seventh verse. They stayed sometimes on the bank of the Radhakund pond, or the Radhakund, or the shores of the Jamuna, sometimes at Banshivat. No fixed residence. That's the point. They are, there they appeared just like madmen in the full ecstasy of love for Krishna, exhibiting different transcendental symptoms in their bodies. And they were merged in the ecstasy of bhakti. So again, sometimes you will see them in Radhakon, sometimes they will be seen on the shores of the Jamuna, sometimes they will sure seen sleeping under Bamsibat, implying they didn't have a fixed place, even though they opened this established this incredible temple, Radha Govinda, Radha Mohan, they were wandering here and there like madmen. That's the idea. They were just wandering. And now the next verse we will go kind of compliments. Wondering, doing what? Looking for someone. Inquiring, crying, calling, crying out. As you will see in the next verse. So let's go to the last verse in connection with this. Who says, how the Goswami were calling. Here, Adi, Brajati, Vike, and so on. Kuta, 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 kuta. Kuta means... Where, 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 where? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? The Goswamis never say, generally, I've seen them. I have them. They are mine. But mostly they show this intense example of separation. Where is Krishna? Where is Sri And so on. They were loudly calling everywhere in Vrindavan. Queen of Vrindavan, Radharani, O Lalita, O son of Nanda Maharaj, where are you all now? Are you just on the hill of Govardhan? Or are you under the trees on the bank of the Jamuna? Where are you? These were their moods in executing bhakti. I offer my respectful obeisances unto these six Goswamis. 
So this is part of the contribution of the Goswami, this particular emphasis in the principle of Vipralamba or Vyaha or separation and how separation in unto itself, that's a long topic, and Rupa Goswami very nicely developed that in his Ujjval Nilamani, but how separation unto itself is not just something that will enhance the experience of union, but he himself mentioned that's a rasa unto itself, interestingly, and a form of union in particular, a very unique form of union. So the Goswamis were relishing this type of divine madness, running here and there on the ground of Vrindavan and rolling here and there and crying and calling and desperate in the spirit of trying to offer some service to their there is the death. No, there's this, the, let me conclude with one famous story. For Srila Rupa Goswami, as you may know, he was really crying loudly, hoping for the darshan of, of his or her, in this case, as Rupa Manjari, her Swamini, Sri Radha. So uh, he was crying and crying and crying. And, and also he knew Srila Sanatan Goswami is coming to visit. So at one point he was. Uh, having the wish to to prepare some kheer. Kheer means like sweet rice for for offering to Sanatan Prabhu, but he didn't have the ingredients. <clears throat> so at one point, one village girl came there with all the ingredients for the preparation and so on. <laughs> so Rupa Goswami accepted them. And, and, and actually, they, weren't, they were not the ingredients, but the kheer in itself being prepared. So Sanat, uh, Rupa Goswami accepted this kheer, and offered that to Sanatana Goswami when he came. So Sanatana Goswami tasted this. He went mad in ecstasy and asked Rupa Goswami, but who brought, who prepared this? And he said, one village girl came recently and brought this to me. And how, how she was. And we know this type of visits <laughs> that the Goswami had. So the point is they concluded, it was our Swamini, it was our mistress, Hirata. And interestingly, instead of celebrating that, Sanatana hmm. Goswami started to chastise Rupa Goswami. <laughs> <laughs> because we are here to serve her, not to allow her to serve us. And you, I mean, she took all this trouble to come here. Radhakun was so hot. She brought all this stuff. She's serving us. We are only to serve her. Why you are doing this? Hmm. This type of pastime, similarly, I don't know, the famous example of Das Goswami absorbing Bhajani Radha Kunda under the heat of the sun. And there is this famous pastime where Sri Radha herself comes and puts her her veil on, on the head of Raghunadas Goswami so the sun is not so heavy on him. <laughs> and Sanatan Goswami again sees that and, and chastises Raghunadas Goswami. You know, you are, we are creating so much trouble to our Ishwari. You know, she's, he has to serve us. You have to go to a Bhajan Kutir. At that time, Raghunadas Goswami was not staying anywhere. So that at that time, it started the tradition of Bhajan Kutir. Because in order to to render proper seva and to avoid being being rendered seva by, by, by one's object of service. So in this way, the Goswamis were totally uh, obsessed, if you will, in divine madness, in divine love, with this idea of this notion of exclusive favorable service and not being served in any single way. And so all this has to do with their contribution and all again that that contribution is not just to say, oh how nice Goswami Kijai, but <clears throat> how this their contribution transformed myself 
to the point of getting closer and closer to what they are about. No, not imitating them, because that may be dysfunctional for most. <laughs> Just do not try to do copy-paste of their standard. But, I mean, at the same time, that has to touch my heart on some level and create some transformation in one degree or another. So, so that's part of the commitment of coming to this series these days, just in case you thought it was for free. It is not. <laughs> so the commitment is basically a sense of responsibility towards myself. Now I'm hearing all this stuff. It's not just a nice story in one some book that I will sing once every year or something, but it has some has to have some repercussion in my daily bhajan. If I continue with my life as if nothing, as if the Goswamis do not exist, <laughs> or their contribution has nothing to do with what I with my necessity. Still, we need to hear these lectures again, or something, <laughs> or expand our series of lectures. So, so some ideas we want to share today, more in the context of discussing some thoughts on 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 Sri Sad Goswami Astakam. We are almost on time, <laughs> a little bit more, but I. Three minutes if anyone has some related question or non related question but somehow related to the Goswami we can. No, I have one more. Yeah. Um, yeah, you were speaking about feelings <coughs> and dealing with the reality. Again, sorry? Uh, you were speaking about feelings and dealing with the reality. Mm. So I was kind of thinking how much uh, we should care about the bigger community, like in order to like make our hearts soft if we just like close our eyes and ears and heart from the bad things happening happening around us so can our heart like stay soft for Krishna only or can it stay open for Krishna only mm -hmm. if you can get what I'm trying to say I think so yeah when, when you speak about the situations are in the community you mean also the in the world but also humanity oh. Okay, yeah, there are All kinds of degrees of community, yeah. And in everyone, there is some mess going on, as usual. <laughs> yeah, of course, in one sense, we should understand how to do that, because, again, in the name of, of being compassionate in every direction, we should do that in such a way that it's sustainable for us, and we do not go, like, like paranoid, because sometimes we may not have the capacity of dealing with every single mess that is going on on every layer of reality and you may end up in a madhouse or something trying to be compassionate <laughs> but it's it's a gradual it's a gradual process because again compassion implies type of suffering but with love you know, I suffer I empathize with your uh, shortcoming and somehow that melts my heart because I'm willing to to how to say to 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 this to get out of my own ego like perspective and enter into your experience and connect with that and try to do something about that so that takes time and energy and in the beginning we may not have full capacity of projecting that in every direction so we have to start somewhere <clears throat> and at the same time we have to understand something which is uh as my guru will say <laughs> There is no perfect community here. I don't say that to be lazy and, and, and okay, let everything be destroyed, but do not go to the point of expecting a Golok standard on planet Earth. That won't happen. So the only perfect community he will say is Golok Brindavan, Golok Naudu. There you have perfect community. 
temple president is loving, the temple commander is <laughs> inspiring and everything works perfectly and everyone wants to wash the dishes and <laughs> whatever the case, no? relationships, communication and so on. So my, I say this because sometimes we may like get too much concern about creating something in a way that it may not happen. Uh, today I was speaking with, with one devotee who wrote to me he, he, had, he had some problem with one temple president <laughs> and, and he was kind of doing catharsis with me like okay all the things that the temple president uh, did to him and I understood the point it was understandable I'm not criticizing that but of course at the end the conclusion was okay but how much you can change that person how much you can change the situation uh, and how much you can change yourself I mean, how much you are doing all that you can to change yourself before speaking about what the other person did wrong or not. So, instead of getting in anxiety because the temple person did this or that, first reply to yourself the question, I, have I done my homework to the fullest degree and I have done all that is in my capacity to be in the proper situation? Because if I say no, and... Even I say no, I still look what the others say. That's a form of hypocrisy, basically, or victim consciousness. So we have a responsibility with our own selves as sadhakas. I have a commitment to myself as sadhaka in a, any given situation. First of all, I have to be what Prabhupada said, strict with myself and merciful with others. But first I have to be strict with myself. Strict, I'm, I do not mean paranoid. Again, understand the, the idea, please. It's not like, it's in a sustainable way. Mm. Am I giving all that I should give or I am just taking some extra coins in my pocket? Who knows for what? No? And generally that's the cause of, 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 our, of our discouragement in many moments in our practice. That we are not giving all that we could give. And we are taking something there and uh, who knows for what, some laziness. But if you give that, that will make the difference. And when you give that part of yourself, those things that were disturbing you are no longer disturbing. Not because the other person has changed, maybe, but because you have changed. So, again, there are so many things in going on in the community, in the world, but there are so many things that that has to be harmonized in ourselves. No? So I will take always this stance that, yeah, we can spend all our life pointing all the things that have to be changed in, in my mission, in my temple, in my family, in my this, in my country, in my society, all these layers of... But why not begin here at home? No? All the things that have to be changed in myself. And, and only then I will point in a real compassionate way. No? So... I will make that, that emphasis. No? I mean, real compassion will come, again, as much as you are strict with yourself, you can be compassionate with others. If you are not strict with yourself, there's no real compassion. It's just superficial, sentimental, whatever, something. <laughs> so, and I know this is not easy and this is not comfort zone. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the face of you all. Do not forget that part. <laughs> none of you is smiling at this point <laughs> but it's okay it's a serious thing and, and we should have introspection and ask on a daily basis am I giving myself all that I can give myself to this ideal or I'm saving something for some other thing separate from the ideal 
And again, it has it doesn't have to be neurot neurosis, but it, it doesn't have to be hypocrisy either. So some middle point and <clears throat> and the more we take commitment for ourselves, we will be able to be compassionate and deal with others in, in a real way, in a real compassionate way. Because sometimes in the name of compassion, you are just like promoting uh, mediocrity or conformism or things like this. No, oh, no, no, I, will, I want to be compelled. Come, I will help you. And you are actually not helping anyone, maybe. You are just making the person remain in there. Like, I don't want to put myself an, as an example, because I'm not. But in this case, for example, when this devotee was telling me, this devotee did this to me and told this to me, one, I could choose, okay, I will be superficially compassionate and say to him, oh yes, no, this temple present is terrible. I, I really understand you, Prabhu. I really support you and you have my... And he may feel, oh, thank you, Maharaj, you are so loving. And, and it, end of the story, but <laughs> there was no big change in his heart. So instead of that, I say, no, let's take him out of the comfort zone. <laughs> okay, he may have done this and that. I don't know him, I cannot tell you. But are you doing your homework? Unfortunately, he, he became like, oh, that's what I needed to hear. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy that he appreciated my point because, I mean, I took the risk. The other person may say like, what are you saying, Maharaj? I mean, he's the bad guy. I'm just a victim here. <laughs> but the point is, if you want to play the victim, victim consciousness is the exact opposite to Krishna consciousness. So you're choosing which, which game to play. Krishna consciousness, victim consciousness. The two of them cannot go together. <laughs> it's like go with the car in the two different directions and crash is about to happen. So so yeah, I will say that because yeah, there is emphasis, compassion and saving the world and so much, but in one strictly speaking it's higher to save yourself. And it's more difficult. Sometimes in the name of saving the world you are just being evasive with your own personal growth. And you can save the world as much as you yourself are saved. I mean you can enlighten others as much as, much as you are enlightened. So it, it, there's no way out of that. So strictly speaking, it's much more complex to save yourself. And saving yourself is not a selfish idea. Our idea of salvation, which is Prem, is totally selfless. So where, for example, Prahlad Maharaj in the Bhagavatam prays, uh, I, I don't want to go to the mountains like those people who go and seek their own selfish salvation. He's not speaking there about someone like Gorkishore Das Babaji. He's not speaking about Bhaktas. He's speaking about Gyanis who look uh, Kaibalyam, Mukti, in that, that type of Mukti, that type of salvation. But if a devotee is, a, for example, a Bhajananandi, because sometimes this mistake is there in devotee. Oh, he's a Bhajananandi. No, he's not compassionate, he's not preaching, he's selfish. But if you're a real Bhajananandi, you cannot be selfish. Because your bhajan is not for yourself, I mean, you are offering that to someone. No, and that's totally self. And it's generally much more difficult to do than preaching. That's a famous example when Prabhupada, and which was uh, Guru, Guru Kripa Maharaj at that time, he told Prabhupada, okay, I, will, I want to be to do bhajan. I want to be bhajananandi. So Prabhupada said, okay, try. <laughs> like implying, it may not work. <laughs> so he tried for some days, some weeks. But at one point, the words of Guru Maharaj, he started to get a little bit like nervous because 
oh again the same dal again the same rice there's no variety like realizing I have to be seated all day and chanting only and, but that was you wanted so but finding okay I need something more so he came back to Prabhupada and said I, I cannot do it it's too much I need to do something else apart from just sitting and chanting doing bhajan I probably say no problem go continue preaching it's okay great and in 10 years try again <laughs> no like in playing that's not a bad thing no <laughs> that's not my necessarily hmm? but that requires certain pure purification of the chitta and certain adhikar for just sitting and doing bhajan that's, that's not so cheap if someone is doing that, that's not selfishness. That's a point that is important to understand. And and and, the, and 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 by preaching, that's a very glorious thing, very nice thing. But also, we can use that as an evasive method to our deeper budget. That can happen, so we have to be careful also. But in the name of compassion and saving the world, we are not doing the necessary to saving ourselves first. So that requires introspection, and each one has to resolve that with their own pillow at night okay. <laughs> some ideas in that connection I hope it helps okay if there are any other questions we may continue tomorrow I already extended myself uh, a little bit so we will finish here Sri Lagurudev Ki Jai Sri Man Mahaprabhu Ki Jai Sri Sat Goswam Prabhu Ki Jai Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai Gaur Bhaktavrinda Ki Jai Gaur Pramanda Ki Jai